T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Uh, Sal Capaccio joining us on the Western Hotline, returning from Detroit, uh, working with uh, the Bills Radio Network there, uh, rejoining the sidelines. Sal, thanks for joining us here on a Saturday. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all. It was good to be back on the road again. Yeah, I was going to say, this is your first time being on the sidelines in, what, a year and a half? Last game before last night was the Houston playoff game uh, at the end of 2019. Oh so, my, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, first time. First time being, A, on a sideline because we couldn't do that at all, even at home games. First time being on the road at all uh, because we didn't travel last year due to uh, uh, protocols. Yeah, it's, well, I'm, I'm glad that you got a chance to do that again. I know that you enjoy doing that. This is, what, your ninth year, eighth year doing it? Eighth year on the sidelines, ninth year on the uh, radio network broadcast. I actually helped Murph, Murph in the booth a little bit uh, that first year, and then uh, sidelines after that. So, yeah, 2014. Uh, it was my first year, and um, yeah, it's it's pretty surreal to kind of get back to it again. It's awesome. Never take it for granted. It's a it's great. I love it, as you noted, and yeah, really excited to you know looking forward to another great season doing it again. I'll ask you I'll ask you real questions in a moment. But last night I was working uh, the game along with TJ, and when I heard John Murphy say my name as having worked on a Bills broadcast, right, and like ah. I like I was instantly transported to being a little kid and hearing him with Van Miller calling Bills games in the 90s and like that I will never not think that's awesome to hear my name associated with something that was so important to me and I know like this is just kind of like me just having fun on the radio because when do I ever get to no. do this but like dude that never gets old dude right so it's really awesome to think that way and I think that that's one of the things like I always no matter where I am every stadium every game I I literally, during the National Anthem, I'll stand there and I'll look around and say, I'm working in the NFL. Like, it's amazing to be a part of, you know, what we do. And for me, it's the same thing. You know, I grew up listening to Van and listening to John, and I remember I was taking a Greyhound bus back to Buffalo for, uh, for during the Super Bowl years. I was in college, and I would say, man, one day maybe I can work, uh, you know, do something like John Murphy, work with him, or listen to the games and say, how cool would it be to work uh, in the radio booth in some capacity? And here I am. He's my colleague. He's my radio broadcast partner, and I'm on the sidelines doing games with him. And I mean, Steve Tasker last year, he was a you know NFL you know Wall of Famer, should be in the Hall of Fame. Eric Wood now, who I covered it. It is pretty amazing when you think in those terms. And I will say, like, you can never take it for granted, right? I mean, um, these are jobs that you know I know I wanted since I was a kid. So 
No, I'm, I'm doing what I love, and I'm very fortunate. Uh, you wrote a column going into last night's game talking about the three players that you were going to be keep, keeping an eye on. And you had uh, Jake Fromm, you had uh, Dane Jackson, and you had Isaiah McKenzie. So I will ask you about those three players in turn, and you can tell me what you saw. And we will start with Jake Fromm, who got a lot of playing time in the fourth quarter and uh, helped to engineer. Can we call it? In, it's the preseason. Can we say he engineered a drive? Can we say that that took place? Like, Sal, what did you see from Jake Fromm last night? Yeah, you know, I wasn't, like, super impressed. Like, he wasn't blowing me away or anything. But, you know, he stayed within himself. Uh, he had some protection issues. And then when the chips were down, he made the money throw. I mean, that, that was the biggest thing for Jake last night. He made the money throw when he had to. Uh, he hooked up with Marquez Stevenson, which was a great throw, a great route. Um, you know, they needed that throw. It was fourth and ten. They don't get that. The game is over. They lose. So, you know, good for him. He was able to get out there and make that big-time throw in that, that special situation. Otherwise, you know, I didn't think Jake was anything special good, but I don't think he made any ter- terrible mistakes. You know, they, I think they wanted to evaluate him throwing the football a little bit. I did think he showed more arm strength than I think people give him credit for. He threw a lot of those, those outs towards the sideline that got there pretty quickly, and he was able to, you know, hook up with those guys. So I, I liked what he did in that regard. Yeah, because um, he hasn't had a real opportunity to work with the team at all. I mean, like, he was the emergency quarterback, and he was right. basically, you know, sealed in saran wrap for most of the season. Like, he couldn't, he couldn't really engage with anybody. No, that's right. I mean, he, he's actually behind even last year's rookie class that he came in with because most of last year's rookies, even if they didn't make the team, they were on the practice squad all year, right? I mean, even Dane Jackson, who did play a little bit, you know, he was on the practice squad. He didn't make the team out of camp. But guys like that, you know, they were around. He wasn't. He had to. He was isolated. He did not throw with regular receivers. Eleven on eleven. It was basically him after practice with a few separate guys. And um, yeah, this was kind of his. This was his debut in a actually Bills uniform against another opponent. Even though he was drafted last year. So you know, I, Sean McDermott talks a lot and talks even last night about people don't realize the challenges Jake faced and how you know that was tough on him and for him to. Be able to come out and, and do that last night was special. Talk to me now about Dane Jackson because you just brought him up. So, how did you? What did you see from Dane Jackson? What did you think? Not enough yet. Um, and again, and what I'm looking for Dane is I like Dane Jackson. I think he's a player. He's going to be on this team. I think he's a backup corner. But if he wants to win that starting job, and a lot of people want to, you know, make it. Hey, can he take it from Levi Wallace? He has to make flash plays. He has to step up in games. So he didn't do that yesterday. He didn't give up anything necessarily, but. I just did the snap counts. I don't think he was on the field a ton, but uh, you know he's got to he's got to show us in games that he can take over that job. And it's Levi Wallace's job. I really believe that. You know, if Dane Jackson for some reason is able to take it, it's going to be because he plays like lights out in preseason, and that's one of three chances. He had one chance last night. He's got another chance next week, and then against Green Bay. But you know, to me, he's going to be a a, a player on this team who's going to get some time, and maybe as the season goes on, he platoons, he plays more, but. I didn't see anything noteworthy, positive, or negative from him to change any of my opinion on Dave Jackson right now. Sal, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to think back about um, all the conversations that the folks here at the station have had about Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. And I'm trying to think, like, do we have a sense of if they value veteran players more 
than young players or rookie players because I'm I'm trying like I'm thinking of circumstances here where like they'll just go and get a dude who's established in the league like of course they traded for Stephon Diggs but also they got Emmanuel Sanders um, they got Levi Wallace they went and got Josh Norman like they seem to really like getting guys who have played in the league and are know how the league functions to fill out these kinds of spots on their team it feels like. Well, I think the answer to the question now is there may have been a time, maybe when they started off, that they would favor more of the young guys because they're building the foundation of the roster. I think, you know, they've sprinkled in some veterans here and there to kind of fill in the pieces. But I think now it's just about who's going to help us win football games. You know, this is, they're at a, a point now where they're going to, ch- they want to contend for a championship. This is a Super Bowl caliber roster. And that's what the goal is. The goal is, you know, win a Super Bowl. And, now it's not about do we value young guys or older guys. I mean, of course you have to think about financial impact and you know what you have down the road. A general, a general manager's job, he has to do that. He'd be negligent if he didn't think about that. But really, Corey, I think it's just about who's going to help us win football games now. If there's a tie between a young guy and an older guy, it might be the younger guy because at least you can keep him around, you can develop him. But at the same time, you know, if there's any, if there's any difference, discernible difference between the veteran guy and the younger guy, no longer is it we're going to stick with the younger guy because we're building. Now it's Who's going to help us win football games now? So I think you can find all that all around the roster. And I'll give you an example. I think over the last few years, I think since they came aboard, only two actual draft picks have not made the actual 53-man roster. One of them actually was Dane Jackson, who didn't make it, but then he got elevated and played. Mm-hmm. But you know, people say that means draft picks always get the benefit of the doubt. I think that's gone. I don't think they do. If, if a draft pick is good enough, he'll make it. If not, they're going to keep the guy that helps them win football games and try and win a championship now. You know, I, that, you, that you bring it up, that – there had been people talking about, because speaking about the defensive line, who might be the odd man out, and some people would suggest A.J. Epinesa might be the odd man out, even though he was a second-round draft pick, even though he's recent, that because there is just now kind of a crowd in that position, that maybe he might be on the outside looking in and bring it up with Greg Rousseau playing last night, getting a sack, um, and make it, making himself, you know, maybe making a play a little bit, especially with the guy across the field from him who was a, a highly touted draft pick by the Lions. Um, that might be a guy who's kind of in that situation. Yeah, AJ's in a really interesting spot because I think I do go back to, at least in this scenario, that they would say, hey, look, we just invested a second-round pick in him. Obviously, it's not a good look. No one's going to just cut a second-round pick after, you know, one year into, you know, his his career, one training camp after, one year after two training camps, and I should say. So I don't think that's the case. But, it, you know, there are a lot of crowded numbers there. I like AJ. I think he's done a really good job. Now, in a case like that, if they really felt, man, you know what, we just got these other guys, and I just don't see a path for him to really carve out a niche on the team, I, I cannot see them at all releasing him. I think then you would try to shop a guy like that. You'd say, can we get something in value for him? He would have to have – some sort of trade value. I'm not suggesting they're doing that with AJ Epinesa, but I agree with your point, which is there are limited numbers here. There are there are guys all who can play, and if he's the guy at the end of the day where they just find on the outside looking in, well, there's only two options then. If you keep him and either bite the bullet and you know release something you don't want to, or keep an extra guy at the position, or you see if he has trade value and he can give you you know draft capital because. There's no way they're just going to release this. He just has too much value to just release a second-round pick. But I'd say give A.J. another couple of weeks here. I like what he's done in the pre, uh, in camp. 
And I think that he can be a player, and I think he can be a, a real good piece for this team this year. Sal Capaccio joining us on the Wester Hotline here on Sports Talk Saturday. I'm Corey Griswold. Sal, uh, let's get to Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, how did he do? Did you see anything? Did you get enough information from him to kind of make a judgment on where he is? Yeah, I like actually the fact that he had to make a couple different decisions. And, I, you know, one time the ball was uh, punted a little short. He did a good job of directing traffic, letting it fall. Another time he did a good job ball security. You know, he kind of got put in situations I wanted to see, and that was really nice. I'm not too worried about Isaiah, but I think that the things that he has to show are ball security and decision-making. And so far, so good. Through one game, he's done that. You know, he's replacing an all-pro return man in Andre Roberts. I don't think anybody expects him to be Andre Roberts in, in decision-making, right? But he's certainly dynamic with the ball in his hand. So as long as he does have the decision-making, as long as he does have that ball security, he'll be fine. You know, Isaiah McKenzie can also add to the offense. We know that. We saw that last year. I think we'll see that again this year. But, you know, um, and, and by the way, Mark West Stevenson had a couple of nice-looking punt return or uh, kickoff returns. I thought he did a good job with the ball in his hand. But it's Isaiah McKenzie's job to lose. And the only way he's going to lose it is if he shows that he – you know, puts the ball on the ground or makes a couple of bad decisions. I thought he did a really nice job being buttoned up well. So. It really is a tough spot um, to be in a position where only bad things can happen, right, generally yeah. speaking, with your job, right? It's the preseason. I've got this gig. The only thing that will make an impact on my career is if I absolutely do the worst possible thing. It's a little bit different than some of the other guys where you have to go out and make a positive play, right? Like you're looking to Agreed. make an impact. Agreed. We just said with Dane Jackson, right? Like Dane Jackson, not that his job's in danger. I don't think so. But if he wants to be a starter, he's got to he's got to beat out the guy. Right. He's got to beat out Levi Wallace. To be the man, you got to beat the man, right? But I think in a situation like um, Isaiah McKenzie, he just you know, don't screw up. <laughs> it's yours. It's... Don't screw up. Don't give them a reason to say why is he going to be our main return man. So it's certainly a different dichotomy for both players. There's no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, I think that that's how you have to approach it from those guys. But at the end of the day. I mean, everybody's just trying to do their job to, you know, make the final roster, make the Buffalo Bills better. And I think that they all understand that. And as much as you want to be on the field, you want to be a starter, it's really about, hey, how can I make my team better? And I think that Sean McDermott's done a great job of instilling that type of culture and thought process in this team. I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because there was some news that broke about the Lions after the game last night. And uh, yeah. we, we heard about it just very late in the postgame show about, you know, obviously, you know, I'll ask you about how the Lions approached to the end of the game as well, but also, you know, letting their trainer go immediately after the game. Like, that caught all of us by surprise after the game. Sal, uh, did you, I mean, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear anybody. I didn't see anybody online mention anything about something being amiss uh, on the Lions' sideline. No, no. And, and and so just so everybody knows, it actually happened before the game. We didn't okay. know until after the game. So that's why. All right. There was nothing going on during the game that caused it. Apparently, I read about it this morning a little bit, um, and apparently this was a decision made before the game it just the news did not leak out until after the game. So it wasn't one thing. And I guess the Lions have had several, you know, injuries that have lingered through preseason and training camp. But, you know, um, Dan Campbell said it's not one injury and it's not that. It sounds to me like there's more to it. I don't know. It sounds like there may be a personality thing. He talked about communication was a word he used. These things happen. You know, you have a new regime. Um, I believe the trainer they let go of was the last holdover from the Patriots people that came with Matt Patricia a mm-hmm. while ago. And every time, anytime you have that, you might have a real big difference in philosophy on how to treat things. And, you know, maybe Dan Campbell wanted to give it some time to see if they could, you know, get on the same page. If they're not on the same page, well, then they, you know, you have to move in a different direction. So I don't think there was anything incendiary that happened during the game 
or even necessarily between the two. I just think that it sounds like it's a situation where it was probably brewing for a while. They had some differences of philosophy on how to treat things. Communication wasn't on par with what he wanted, and he basically decided, you know, now's the time to make the move. What did you think about the end of the game there in that situation? I'm not. I I uh, I, I I mean, it's the preseason. It's the game is absolutely irrelevant. But they did have an opportunity to run another play there, and they just decided basically not to do it. Is it important? Is it not important? Um, like, does does it even matter at all? It just felt weird. I couldn't believe it. I mean, the Lions gave the Bills an extra at least 30 seconds on the clock with yeah. the way they managed the end of the game. They By throwing the ball and getting out of bounds and then throwing the ball incomplete, they stopped the clock twice on the Bills when the Bills would have used their timeout. Now, the Bills only had one timeout left. They could have still used it, but they still would have had about 30 seconds roll off another play. And I don't know. I haven't listened to Dan Campbell's postgame. He could very well have legitimate preseason reasons to do what he did. He may have wanted to see an evaluation on something. He said, look, this is a situation. i got to evaluate this particular guy, this particular player, on this particular situation. And I'm totally cool with that. I, I understand that because you can't, you can't predict or put your team in a certain situation you want all the time in preseason games. So you got to, when they come up, you got to say, okay, this is our chance. But if he wanted his team to win in any respect, which I think you want to win when the scoreboard is, here's a scoreboard, I mean, if that was a regular season game, that guy would be getting absolutely roasted for how he managed the clock at the end. You said it in the broadcast that the Sean McDermott has to be happy because he got an opportunity to run a two-minute drill with both sides of his team with the defense yep. having to stop the Lions, and then they got the ball back, and they got to run one with the offense. And, like, you know, Sean McDermott, you've been covering him. Like, he doesn't waste opportunities like that. Like, it's a, it's a game situation. We're going to run it like a game situation. Like, let's practice protocol. Like, let's practice protocol here. That is concerning if you're a Lions fan to see, like, here's an opportunity to run a protocol, and they just decide, nah, it doesn't, whatever, it's just kind of wherever. We've all seen bad game management here as Bills fans over the, over the course of our lives. We know what it looks like. And, Sal... That looked like bad game management. I agree with you. And I don't know, again, I, I, if he had a reason, I, he could talk me into a reason because it is preseason. He could say, look, I, we, had, we wanted to have a certain number of passes for our quarterback that we wanted to get to, and we didn't care about the score. We didn't care. But, you know, isn't it preseason for – I mean, I know he's actually been an interim coach before, but working on clock management is, is a good skill for him to have in preseason. It's a good skill for him to work on. It's a good thing for him to practice with his team. And – it just seemed really, really weird. So I'd like to know what went into the thought process. But good point on Sean McDermott. He told us in the in the radio production meeting the day before, he said, I want to see us in these situations. I hope we get a two-minute situation we have to be in. And he got that on both sides of the ball. Um, he said he actually hoped there was a turnover situation to see how his team reacted to. We didn't get that, right? But maybe that's going to happen next week. But, yeah, Sean is all about having certain situations come up they can go through and they can see how a team reacts and then they can go back and look and say, where where were we good? Where were we not so good? And he got a lot of that last night. He wasn't great at clock management when he was just getting started with the Bills. And he's grown in that position. He's gotten better at managing a game. And the Bills now, they are pretty reliable in that circumstance. And it was not easy for them to do. It was that practice that they, he really grew as a head coach. He's we've seen it. I haven't I haven't really ever heard him talk about it. But like I've seen enough evidence to see him grow. Have you ever heard him talk about yeah. his own process of being a better reflective coach, like trying to be a better game manager? Yeah, he's talked about it. And he's talked about how 
you know, over the years he's learned, and, and they, they go back. They, they, they did a really good job. They have a analytics department, and they have a video staff that they'll go and they'll look at other situations around the league, and they'll talk about what would we do here, what should we do differently, what if we get in this situation. Look at their own. They, they self-scout a lot. And I, he has said, he has been reflective on that, but I do think it matters that, you know, his team is a lot different now. There's not as much risk, maybe, if you will, if you want to put it that way, of, you know, you're not trying to win games with running the ball and playing defense now that you have Josh Allen, this super high-powered offense. I mean, they went for a fourth and one on their own side of the field last night, pretty deep, too, by the way. I mean, you know, that was another interesting thing that they did. So, yeah, and he's talked about it, and I think he knows that he has grown, but I think it's, it, it's, a, lot of, um, it's a lot of self-scouting during the season, the offseason, all that kind of stuff that goes into it. Sal Capaccio joining us on his return leg of the trip to, uh, out to Detroit. The Bills play against the Bears next Saturday on the road. You will have an opportunity to go and visit the Windy City and do the sideline gig one more time. Sal, thank you for joining us and making the time for us on a Saturday. We really appreciate it. All right, anytime, brother. Have a good show. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.